You're listening to Soul Friend Radio. I'm your host, Gaia Woods. How long should I wait to call her? What's the best way to end a casual relationship? How can I tell the person I'm dating that I'm sexually inexperienced? What to do if you're a sexually submissive type married to another sexually inexperienced? Should I break up with Is it okay to flirt with your ex's How do I tell my neighbors that they're having loud How many hours or days of no response is considered ghosting? Welcome, Lisa Young, to Soul Friend. We are doing episode, this is episode number 76 of the show. Ooh, nice. Exciting. And we're talking via video chat, and you're in, where are you exactly in the Bay Area? So I'm just outside of San Francisco in East Bay in Oakland, California. Very cool, where I was born. Oh, good. Fun, yeah. fun nice. fact. Yeah. Very nice. Very. I was not born here, but. You were. <laughs> where were you from originally? I'm originally from the East Coast, a small but wonderful state called Delaware. Delaware. Cool. Delaware? No one knows, but, <laughs> but it's a beautiful place. Very cool. And then, so I guess I should tell people who you are a little bit, and then you can also, of course, fill in whatever I leave out. But so I met you, you did a speaking engagement for Gial's network for a special event that they were hosting that was about sex and love and dating and relationships. And they had you speaking and they had a marriage and family therapist speak and they had a comedian speak. And (laughs) you just had such interesting stuff to share about relationships. And we got to talking and I thought that you would be a wonderful host. So here you are, guest co-host. So here you are. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Love is I believe we are all love, and it is absolutely my purpose and mission on this earth to remind people of that and to spread it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and also for us to know that we can be empowered in love. It doesn't totally. happen to us. We have a choice. Yeah, totally. Which is your, so you identify, I love your, your website is, oh shoot, I had it, but it's empower, there's empower and love. What's your website again exactly? In- It's EmpowerTrueLove.com. Right. Okay. And you call yourself a love linguist. Isn't this right? Yeah. You know what? I actually updated it. Okay. (laughs) So so I am academically trained as a linguist. So my master's, um, my graduate degrees are all in linguistics, specifically forensic linguistics, which if you're not familiar, it's the intersection of linguistics, the study of language, and the law and legal system. And so... This has a quite a wide variety of potential applications, but how I was working as a forensic linguist was analyzing linguistic evidence in legal cases. So if you're familiar at all with the Unabomber case of the 1990s, that's actually one of the greatest testaments to forensic linguistics. Um, I was trained by the FBI linguist who broke that case. Oh, wow. And... Um, yeah, it was, uh, I could go, that's a different tangent. I could go on for a, a while about <laughs> Ted Kaczynski and the Unabomber thing. Yeah. But, um, but, but they solved that case, like a big part of how they solved that case was through linguistic, forensic linguistic evidence, evidence and the things Absolutely. that he wrote and the way that he used words in conjunction with other words and things like that. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So the idea is that our language in so many ways kind of, it's like a diary or a journal of our lived experiences in life, our influences, and 
can tell us, I mean, so what I was trained in, I was looking at demographic information. So gender and age and um, mother tongue, country of origin, et cetera, et cetera. And how I apply the work now is, and I liken it a lot to psychology where a psychologist will look at your behavior and say, okay, this is the behavior I'm noticing. And on the lower level, under the surface, this is what it means. Right. I, I do the same thing with linguistic behavior. So you might say a sentence and it's, it's a step deeper than just reading between the lines, which is right. what I was trained to do as a forensic linguist. Now, instead of just looking at demographic information, um, it becomes more nuanced. And in forensic linguistics, there's this idea of a linguistic fingerprint. Okay. Also, and, oh, not to interrupt you, but I am okay. at my home office right now, and I've got two 70-pound dogs that are sitting right below <laughs> me. And sometimes when people walk outside, they like to bark at the other people. So hopefully <laughs> right now is on alert and thinks that nice. he bark, but I'm going to try and keep him from barking. But it's <laughs> doggy language. Possible. And they would also bark if I put them in another room to out of protest, obviously. So ah, hopefully we won't get interrupted, but it might happen just to warn you. They just want their love and appreciation. Hi, daddies. <laughs> yeah. Roof. <laughs> but I'm so sorry to interrupt you. You were no, you're okay. In the middle of lots of interesting things. Have a sip of my tea. It's cold in here for some reason. Is it cold? But, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I so forgot that, what I was saying. Was oh, that's saying? okay. So yeah, I mean, basically, it sounds like your path has really, you know, you have this training in forensic linguists linguistics and you you were kind of talking about how you were looking at demographic information as a part of your work and I'm curious if that yeah kind of has informed your kind of transitioning into working with people who are really looking for for love and and maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of your clients as well in terms of some of the people that that come to you but yeah I'm curious about how you kind of transitioned from your training to now what you what you do which it sounds like is helping people feel empowered in their relationships and finding people who really um you know can be a you know a good kind of match for whatever personality types or things like that. But that's also, I'm making some assumptions there. So <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. So yeah, the interesting thing about my connection to connection and my connection to relationship is that relationship and connection are the two threads that have run through every part of my life. Yeah. So when I was 10 years old, uh, that is the year that people began coming to me for relationship advice. When and you were 10. <laughs> when I was 10, yeah. yeah. I didn't have a boyfriend. I'd never dated or kissed or anything. But, uh, but it, that's, that was my experience. And so it wasn't just the little kids at school. It was adults confiding their transgressions. Um, I remember at age 15, a friend's mom asking me about her divorce and thinking, oh, this doesn't exactly feel appropriate. You're my friend's mom, but yeah. you asked, and I yes, I have some thoughts. Um, and so, yeah, so the funny thing is that relationship has always been not only something people have sought me out for, but something I've absolutely loved and enjoyed talking about. Yeah. Um, also the source of intuitive gifts that used to scare me that now serve me really well uh, in coaching around love and relationship. But professionally speaking, when I started working in the field of forensic linguistics, I love the idea of using my passion for language to serve justice. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also simultaneously annoyed that this information around language, which every single one of us uses every single day, or at least any yeah. human in society, right, uses language to understand the world around us, that little voice in our head. Um, and then, of course, the communication that we have with people that ultimately determines our fulfillment in relationship, it really bothered me that it lived in these elite institutions and I had to get to some grad school and I had to get to some, uh, you know, government agency people uh, in order to access this information. So yeah, that really bothered me. Yeah. And um, that had a lot to do with, with my transition. I also, yeah. in between then and now worked, uh, I had a lot of Fortune 500 clients, mostly in the tech world and healthcare. And I was doing the same thing. I was helping them establish relationships with their prospects based on marrying people's language back to them and quickly establishing rapport. Wow. And neither of those, I mean, 
I loved the work. I was very appreciative of my work, but neither of those avenues were personally fulfilling because it brought me back to, okay, here I am at, at elite corporations. Right. <laughs> um, and actually it's funny because my clients didn't know what I was doing. They just knew that I was excellent at establishing relationships and getting them leads. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so it's, and so, yeah, so that was going on. It just wasn't fulfilling in the way that, um, that love and relationship and talking about it has always, has always been for me. Yeah. And uh, it was actually after quite a few women, um, and, and actually all of the women fit a similar demographic. They were women between, in their 30s. Um, so yeah, any age in their 30s. And yeah. typically really successful and single. And yeah. it was after, actually, because I had resistance to doing this work professionally because it's something I love so much. Mm. And so it was after quite a few people had said to me, Lisa, you should do this work. I would be a client. Can you do this work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this, like, this, is, this is your calling. Can you do yeah. it? Can you do it? Um, and then it's kind of like the hero's journey story. You know, I was ignoring the call and then I answered the call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now that I am, you know, professionally working as a love and relationship coach, um, it's, yeah, everything that I ever cared about, everything that I ever studied or did professionally for work, everything just makes sense. Those intuitive gifts, everything is you know, I, I see why I had all of those experiences. Also, my terrible experiences in uh, previous relationships as well. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that's served you as a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I took an L for the relationship. Um, yeah. And the, the L was the lesson, you know. It's, there's always that's a lesson amazing. in every experience. So, yeah. thankfully, well, I got that from him. If I if hopefully it's not embarrassing, but I want to read a little bit of what you wrote on your website, telling people about what you do. Um, you just say you say not embarrassed, but like sometimes it's strange to hear the things that we write written, like said back <laughs> to us. Um, but you say love, we all want it, but how do we get it? No one teaches us how to do relationship. People who care about us just kind of hope that we get one and live happily ever after, just like the Hollywood chick, flick show us. chick, chick flicks show us. Combine this with the World Wide Web of online dating, which I would love to ask your opinion about how you feel about that. Reminders of women's disempowerment and the, with Me Too and Time's Up movements, the lack of standardized approach to relationship, and you wonder how is it possible that people ever find anything they want, let alone a fulfilling relationship that lasts. But this does not have to be your fate. You can create the love and relationship you've always wanted. Consider this your call. Go beyond just reading information and create your perfect partnership. Sign me up. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. No, but it's true. I mean, it's, and, that, and that's the other thing that the, this piece around accessibility that was so bothersome to me. Yeah. Why, you know, in the world we're socialized into, there aren't many examples of what healthy relationships looks like. So yeah. if, if, unless you're one of the few people in the world who have, you know, two loving parents who are actually demonstrating or, or have access to a beautiful, healthy relationship nearby, what right. we are fed is a really, particularly as women, is a really disempowering narrative around love. Yeah. And, and it's also echoed in our language. Like, being tied down, this idea that we're tied down when we, when we get married, or even as a woman saying like, I'm taken, you know, to, right. to indicate that, that you're in a relationship, you know, we lose our virginities, the, uh, if you're single and you're over 30, the pool is called dwindling, you know, it's this scarcity mindset, it's this disempowering story that, that you don't have a say, you don't have a choice, um, the odds are stacked against you, and if you get it, like, good job, you got lucky, um, yeah. Maybe it works, maybe not. And what we see in the movies, of course, is and TV. This is for ratings, so it's dramatic. It's 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 not healthy typically. And when it does end, it ends at the beginning. It ends oh, they kissed, and so they're going to be together, or they just got right. married. Now they're going to be together. Like actually, so the, that's the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So the fantasy version of relationships you're saying is pretty disempowering, and that that and yeah, I mean, it sounds 
like you're also pointing out the language of how we even think about our relationships is also really disempowering, which I wouldn't think, I mean, of course I think about it in terms of how we conceptualize sometimes, yeah, being in a relationship as this thing that we're tied to or that is this weight, but I wouldn't have thought of it from your perspective as a linguist of really looking at the language that we use to kind of talk about our relationships. That's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for the the majority of the, the clients that I have and the women that I work with. I work with some men too, so I don't want to just say women. Okay. Um, yeah. But the majority are women and the majority are women who are who do know what empowerment looks like in every other area of their lives. You know, right. these are women who are on it with their career, who have a vision, who are driven, they feel a sense of purpose or they're moving toward a sense of purpose. And really what they're looking for is someone to, someone that can love them and be supportive and not, yes. um, and, and not feel like they're losing their sense of independence and their sense of agency. Right. And in a world where we're taught that, oh, it's disempowering, you have to fall into love. Um, as someone who, myself included, who feels empowered and independent, who actually wants that? <laughs> You know, like who wants that story? It's like, oh yeah, it would be really nice to be held right now, but I also don't want to get tied down in this relationship and lose a part of who I am. It goes back to this scarcity mindset of like the losing virginity. It's also the idea of being an independent woman is often um, shown shown to us in a way that, that is opposite to what it means to be in relationship. There's this idea that to be an independent quote, woman, you have to also be single. Right. And one of my favorite songs that I have with Nathan, my partner with whom we share Love Angelus, this transformational musical duo. Yeah. We have a song called Whatever We Want. It's online right now. You can find it, Spotify, iTunes, all the things. And that song is specifically about being able to do whatever you want in relationship and having the freedom that you when you co-create a relationship in a healthy way with the person you love, you can feel free to, to be and do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, it sounds and good. yeah, I, I, I believe that that's how relationship should go. Well, we believe that's how yeah. relationship should go. So that's one of my questions for you is how much of the work that you do with your clients is setting intentions or trying to paint a picture of what a relationship would look like? Is that something that you try and map out with clients to get clarity about what they're looking for? And I mean, do you kind of explore maybe what hasn't worked in the past for them and then try and work backwards? Or how do you work with clients? I know it's probably difficult to speak in a really broad sense because everyone's an individual client and their unique needs are different. But broadly speaking, do you yeah, do you kind of set relationship goals or what it might look like and just kind of lay it out from any kind of a, uh, an organized perspective in terms of looking at different dynamics or like, what's your, how do you go about trying to work with someone to find that relationship? And then like have someone be able to also recognize when maybe they might've found that relationship that they are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome question. So yeah. So as of course, as you said, and as you know, from your work that yes, every individual is unique and different and where they come in is where we start no matter who they are. Yeah. Uh, that being said, there are, also, um, there are also patterns. And because we as humans are creatures of habits, they, we are, yeah, there are patterns that we as individuals live in and there are also patterns that relationships follow. Yeah. And so almost everyone, when we start, we're not, we're looking for clarity. There's usually a lack of clarity around what they want. So most of the women, and this, I, I should uh, make sure I say that these are for women who are single. Right. So I do also work with women in couples, but the majority yeah, of the serious. women yeah. are single. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's that way right now is simply because these are the women who are coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> these are also the women who, who successfully helped me realize that this is my calling. So <laughs> and got nice. me to, to actually doing this work. So Uh, Yeah, so right now the majority are single, or come in rather, come in single. Um, But yeah, and then, so that's when I, when I talk about, what I'm about to say is applying mostly to the single women. Okay. So 
but it's it's relevant for people in couples as well um but usually for my single women they come in with an understanding that they lack clarity around what they actually want right in relationship yeah um and if it's not a lack of clarity around what they want it's a lack of clarity around how to identify it mm. and so a lot of the deeper work in the beginning is is actually around around that what is clarity what how can you get your clarity what does that look like for you right um and then if they're going on dates or as they are deepening their knowledge into themselves and and also having those experiences out in the world with other potential partners um that quote list that we might have in our head right or that we might actually write down and create yeah you know, those those ideas can actually shift and take form and become more clear because quite frankly you know if if we have this idea that like these are my non-negotiables you know you don't actually know if they're non-negotiables until they're tested right that makes sense and then when they're tested you're like oh no there's no way in the world that would ever happen you know then it's then you can confidently say that this is my non-negotiable no matter what Right. Um, at least in that case, until you meet someone who maybe challenges it and you say it's okay. Yeah. So a lot of times, uh, I share that to say that a lot of times people, when they do think there's clarity, there might be, but also as we shift and grow and our needs change, that list, quote unquote list of what we're looking for, what we want to experience can also shift and grow and change. Right. Um, yeah. And so getting getting clear on what it is that best serves you right now with what it is that you're looking for mm -hmm. is a big part of our process. Um, and then from there, there are also often a lot of stories or beliefs that we hold. And, and the thing about stories and beliefs is that they're usually not logical. And mm -hmm. what I mean when I say they're not logical is they know on the surface like, no, 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 that's not true. Um, but then when they, they're talking about it, and of course my work as a linguist, I'm listening for those deeper meanings. Yeah. It's true in, in what they say that there's actually this deep, deeper held belief and energetic, emotional level. Yeah. And so it's totally contradictory to what the logical mind rationalizes. Right. But that story or that, that deeper held belief rather when it's there, you know, you can clean up your online dating profile or put on your cute outfit to attract the person all you want. But if at your core, there's something that's going to block you. So one thing that happens a lot with, with my women is that they have a fundamental um, attachment to the identity of being single. Mm. And typically this is kind of in yeah, in collaboration with this idea of being the independent, strong woman. Yeah. Um, and so when, when we have something, an attachment at the identity level, it's like, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, I like this, this matters to me, or yeah. um, I like to keep this around. But when we identify with something as part of ourselves, as who we are, yeah. you know, if we say, I am this, that's a deep, that is a deeply strong attachment. It's harder to separate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so be, being able to be aware, become aware that, oh my gosh, this exists, yeah. which of course is not logical because there, people are saying, like, I want to be in a relationship, I want to be in a relationship. Oh, but here's also this idea that you have at a deeper level, this belief yeah. that, that you need to be single to be independent. Right, right. <laughs> you know, until you uncover that that exists, nothing's going to change no matter how many online dating profiles you've bought or fixed up or dates you've right. gone on or, you know, the, those higher superficial level things. Yeah. So, yeah. It sounds like you really work from the bottom up, like in terms of kind of the root of someone's, like you said, beliefs about themselves or beliefs about their identity and then kind of work from there to see where there might be, blockages or things that are happening for them that might be kind of uh 
a hindrance to them in terms of finding that relationship that they're looking for. That's kind of what I'm taking away from what you're saying, but that sounds yeah, like a great way to do it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And also at the, the core, there's also the, so there's an identity shift that almost always happens and has to happen. Yeah. Um, and there's also this connection to self and specifically connection to self trust. Mm. So, so many people, and then, no, actually, honestly, this isn't even just love I'm talking about anymore. This is just direction in general in our lives. How do we trust ourselves to know what's the right next step? How yeah. do we know that this potential partner who seems to be really cool is he or she actually the one or the one that I want to marry or the one that I want to have a life partner or make one of my partners, depending on relationship style? Yeah. Um, Right. And so, so a lot of that process is identity and it's also getting to a place of self-trust so that yeah. they are clear on every decision they make. Right. So it's, the, it's that clarity that we get from the quote list, but at a deeper level. It's like, that sounds great. What are the indicators that that list has shown up? <laughs> right. And um, how do you know, you know, and then, and then I've got a couple more questions, but we actually have to take a break in a second. But, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take a break in one second. But, but yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is a part of the work is to help people really grow their own connection with their own intuition and with their own sense yeah. of self in a deeper way to really kind of be able to know if whatever relationship they're in is the relationship that they're kind of looking for and like being, being able to really trust themselves. That seems like that's such a yeah. huge part of, like you said, of kind of life in terms of your relationship with your own kind of gut instincts and intuition can be such a guiding tool in so many areas and aspects of our lives, but especially in relationships where we're so vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things a lot of the women I work with actually come in as intuitives. And I come from a family of deeply intuitive women. So it makes yeah. sense that I also attract these women to my life. Yeah. Um, and so one thing that I notice is that these women who are really intuitive and make decisions from their intuition, every other area of their life have these blocks specifically in the area of love and relationship and only in the area of love and relationship. And so it's looking at those blocks. And it's great because when someone's already acting from that intuition, you can just essentially apply it there once those blocks are removed. Yeah. Um, but the process works whether you identify as intuitive or not. Right. Very cool. Okay, we got to take a break. We will be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I feel welcome. You feel welcome. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking about one of the... Um, Languages I, I like to speak is Turkish, and they have this, um, I just realized I was doing it. It's like when you enter a place and they say, welcome, uh, you respond uh, basically like, the translation's rough, but it's happily I welcome, or I find myself welcome. So I was Aww. thinking, I think that's why I said, I feel welcomed. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> so nice. they say, and then you say, um, oh, that's so nice. I love that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you speak Turkish. How cool. Um, Turkish is a cool language. Cool. Well, I would love to ask you some questions about, and these might be super difficult to answer in terms of, Ooh. in a broad sense for our oh, listeners, but sure, I'm curious sure. if there are things that you feel like are common mistakes that you notice that people in mm. relationships make that they might be able to avoid. And since you do work closely with people who, you know, are really trying to kind of fine tune and really look at patterns in relationships and kind of understand themselves, are there common things that you notice that people tend towards making these mistakes again and again, or anything that you can kind of offer just to, to try and avoid or yeah, I'm just curious about, I'm also curious about your experience of are there common things that people do that we could kind of learn from you? So mistakes, do you mean mistakes going on dates, mistakes, um, uh, what specifically? Like mistakes around what kind of area? I guess I'm thinking like, uh, you know, maybe a, a common kind of relationship trope is pursuing people who are unavailable and kind of using the, 
lens of attachment theory or something like that, where someone who might be, um, you know, anxiously attached might be attracted to someone who's kind of avoidantly attached and how that might be kind of a common relationship pitfall where there's certain dynamics that kind of activate one another that are dysfunctional, something like that. But that's just, that was just one example that was kind of on the top of my head. But Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like, oh my gosh, there are so many, <laughs> so many common things. Um, I want to think of something that's common amongst the women that I work with. Um, and if there's not, that's totally fine too, but I was just curious. I mean, there absolutely are, right? I, I, there absolutely are. I just want to think of something that's, that I specifically noticed with my demographic of clients, this, you know, woman who's independent, who, um, who is really successful in her career, knows what she wants, probably travels a lot. That seems to be a theme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now that I'm saying that the first thing that immediately comes up and it's tied to this, what I referenced earlier around the identity of being single is finding either having really short relationships or like one or two dates, or there's usually a pattern of the woman breaking it off somewhere. And it's basically when the relationship has gotten to a point where she is actually not ready to make the commitment and it doesn't show up this way. This is the mm -hmm. underlying piece. Um, but what it looks like on the surface is meeting people and relationships or what would could be relationships lasting, you know, dating someone for a month or two months, mm -hmm. maybe three, four or five, and then it doesn't go anywhere or someone to take it to the next level. And, and for whatever reason, she finds fault in that other person. Mm -hmm. Or there's some reason, and the reason might look different every time, it might be similar, but for some reason it doesn't go past a certain time period. And mm. that, I, I want to make sure I'm answering your question. Is this, is yeah, this what no, you were looking for? Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't have a specific, I didn't have a specific thing in mind. I was just curious in terms of finding kind of general tips for my audience in terms of kind of ways to kind of monitor their own dynamics and relationships or their own behaviors and relationship but that's a that's a pretty that's a tall order to ask of any <laughs> of any guests so <laughs> well i mean we can go there it's just i'm like i don't know if, if your segment is that long <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first thing that that came to mind was was noticing uh because it's one of the first things i notice when when i speak with a new client that they're it's basically being able to identify what their own patterns are. Yeah. Um, and so if you are, if you're unfulfilled in whatever type of relationship you either have or don't have, what, if you look back at the last year, two years of your life, what has been your experience in a relationship and see if you can find for yourself any kind of pattern any kind of underlying thread that connects every single thing. So yeah. if you went on, you know, 20 dates, let's say in the last two years, or even if you only went on two dates in the last two years, it doesn't actually matter. The number doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters is being able to identify a pattern. Right. Because once we've identified a pattern, then we can see what the underlying causes of right. cause of that pattern is. Right. And so that, anyone you know we can do that for ourselves we don't necessarily need to be with a coach or with a therapist to be able to yeah. reflect on the last couple of years or even a couple of experiences and go hmm what is this this theme here what's the trend yeah yeah <laughs> what you know, like, what pattern am i living into what cycle is this i yeah. found for myself actually in my years of dating i would find myself meeting guys i'm i'm uh attracted to men. So I would find myself meeting guys that were a certain sign all around the same period. Oh, wow. It would be like, I had a Capricorn phase and then <laughs> I had a Sagittarius <laughs> phase and I had a, and it was funny because it got to the point where, because for some reason I was meeting the, all these people around their birthdays. So my Capricorn phase was around January. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the, 
anyway, so it got to the point where I would just know that I was, oh, did your birthday just pass? And they'd say, how did you know that? Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> I just know. Oh, <laughs> I wow. can tell. So that was wasn't because of them, it was because of me. And so finally, I got to the point where I looked at my, could look at myself and say, okay, what is it that I'm giving off to attract this? In my case, I was noticing, of course, the pattern around, <laughs> around sign and how it was changing over the years. Yeah. But there was one point, and this is what I want to say to, to my women who are attracting unavailable partners. Um, there was one point where I realized, and this was my turning point um, in terms of me going deep into myself and, and actually meeting the man now who, my amazing partner, Nathan, who I'm going to marry shortly in a couple months. Yay. Congratulations. But thank you. Thank you. It was, I, this was a Virgo phase and, and he, Nathan's also a Virgo. He's on the cusp, but he fit this bill as well, uh. which was that I was meeting um, and not even necessarily dating them, but it just was a slew of men who were either uh, not officially divorced, but kind of almost sort of give me a month, I'll be divorced. Or, Man, uh, yeah. I'm just getting out of the relationship, but I'm still actually really attached to the per, the woman that I was last with, and or something where they were very unavailable. It was yeah. And my pattern that I noticed was unavailable and still kind of attached to the last person. Right. And finally, I went, "Oh my!" And then, and I stopped going, "What's wrong with these people?" I start and I said what in me is attracting this? Because mm. I don't want this. <laughs> this is what not what I want. Yeah. And the funny thing is that Nathan actually fit that pattern. So he had just uh, broken up with his girlfriend of six years and then they had lived together. It was you know, a very deep and big relationship. Yeah. And I also knew because at this point I had that clarity. I also knew a week after meeting him that he was the one for me. Oh man. He was the one I was going to marry. And so... Um, and I also knew he was unavailable <laughs> emotionally. Right? What a predicament. And so I think a lot of dating coaches and love coaches will tell you that person's unavailable. Get out of it. Go away. Don't, you know, what's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. <laughs> and run. You know, that's, and that's not my experience. My, my lived experience is that yes, there is something in us that attracted that. And does that mean that they're totally the wrong person for you? It could, and not necessarily. Because I believe, I choose to believe, just like I chose love, I choose to believe that we, as humans, can grow and mold and change. And I believe that if the person is right for us and the time is not, which is what I lived, (laughs) then when the time comes, they will still be the right person. So after you met him, did you guys take, like, did you date right away or did you take a little time apart? Did he kind of have more time away from you to kind of heal after his other relationship or how did, if you don't mind my asking? No, not at all. No, I love thinking about it. Um, I mean, it wasn't the best, that particular period wasn't the best time, but it's, I think it's important to say because, and this is what I was referencing earlier about the the movies that stop when couples start dating <laughs> like no right. that's the beginning <laughs> the first date is the uh, end of the movie yeah right, exactly so yeah so what wound up happening was we met at the end of october and we weren't official well we didn't actually have a, a quote-unquote official title but it wasn't clear that we were definitely exclusive and going to be together until that summer, that, that following summer. Yeah. And so it was a significant period. And for both of us, I think really important. In his case, he needed to reestablish his identity as himself. Yeah. Um, because I don't know the dynamics of that relationship, but, uh, you know, when you're with someone for a long time, you can kind of mold and, and yeah. become parts of yourself that, or lose parts of yourself that aren't you. Yeah. Um, when it's not the right relationship. And so I think there was some of that at play for him. So yeah, so he needed this time to be on his own and find himself and, and explore. And I wanted him to do that because I was so sure that I was it. I'm like, yeah, go date some chicks. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I know I'm the one. That's honestly how I felt. Yeah. And at the same time, 
I also, even though I thought and I was telling myself, okay, I'm ready to find the one. I'm ready to, to be with my partner. When he showed up, it scared the beep out of me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the day I realized he was the one I was, I, my mom, I was actually visiting my parents and my mom said that she knew, even though I hadn't said anything that she could tell that I was feeling this way because of how serious I was. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was yeah. like kind of quiet and thinking. And so I say this to say that I was scared and I had my own things to process before actually being ready to be with him. And so in that sense, the timing, and actually when we, when we first met, he had said, um, he said, oh, this is, I, I wish I had met you at a different time. I remember mm -hmm. him saying that. Yeah. And of course, at that point, I was thinking, I'm ready. You know, you should just be ready. Right. <laughs> so, but when I actually finally took the time to go into myself, because one, it shouldn't be, it wouldn't have been scary, right? If I, if I felt like I was truly ready. Um, but I had this really strong identity. I mean, my goodness, I was nomadic for four years. I traveled the world. I did my own thing. I did whatever I wanted. Uh, and I really identified as a single woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. You know, I, a really profound memory of mine is actually the first time I was in the club dancing to uh, Beyonce, whatever that's called. All the single ladies, put your hand up. And I started to raise my hand. I was like, oh. and I slowly put my hand down. And I remember I actually walked off the dance floor and I took a minute to think about it. I was like, I'm not a single woman anymore. Uh -huh. <laughs> Spiritual yeah. moment brought to us yeah. by Beyonce. That's, that's how you know when something's an identity. Yeah. That's but so anyway, yeah. So <laughs> all of this to say that um, noticing the pattern doesn't mean that that something is wrong. It's yeah. the ability to, that you can be empowered. Once you know that something's present, once you're aware of something, yeah. then you can do something with it. Right. Um, and it has nothing to do with the other, I mean, it has something to do with the other person. But for me, the most empowered decision I ever made in my life, at least at that time, was to be in love with Nathan and to choose to love Nathan. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with him, which is <laughs> the best part. It had nothing to yeah. do with him. It had everything to do with me trusting myself and knowing that, that, that he was the person for me. Yeah. Um, and not because I didn't love myself and he was the one to give me love. No, it was none of that. Sounds <laughs> so like was, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of really checking in with yourself and being really honest with yourself too, which I feel like is always good advice for people in relationships to continue to make sure that they're feeling good and that they're understanding their own kind of wants and needs and what's really happening for them in the relationship. So it sounds like you were really checking in with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And when I made that awesome empowered decision, uh, which I remember I was very conscious, like, okay, Lisa, is this, are you actually okay with this? Because me making that decision wasn't great. Now everything's flowers and we're going to love each other. No, this yeah. was still when he was on his independent or needing to be alone, period. Yeah. And so, and, and my choice was unconditional love. And I said, I'm going to love this guy no matter what. Um, yeah. And that's not, I know that's not the normal path. <laughs> so Yeah, I think it um, sounds like you're so the one difficult. who, oh, sorry, go ahead. It was, it was a difficult decision for me to make, but I knew it was a decision that was coming from a place of trust for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had, and until that point, I had never made a decision like that around love. And yeah. so really the decision for me was a decision to love myself and listen to what my wisdom, my intuition, my deeper knowing was actually telling me. Yeah, um, that's so cool. Yeah, because I think that usually people don't have that experience. I think that, you know, like you said, if you are choosing people who are unavailable, usually it's a painful path of really trying to, you know, either change their minds or, you know, try and, you know, prove that you're worth it or something like that if someone kind of isn't available. But in your case, it seems like it was just meant to be and it was you're the, you're the exception or the situation and your experience is so uniquely special. It's so cool. Mm. Well, I think there's also, um, and this is part of, in terms of what I teach, 
because there's coaching and then there's teaching, you know, and, yeah. and courses and programs and things. So I have what I call the pop evolution. And so it's a little bit complicated for a short segment, but yeah. <laughs> essentially there's um, pop in and pop out. So most of what I've discussed so far is this inward internal process. And then there's also the outward process. So, mm-hmm. um, so if I can say briefly, POP is an acronym, so P-O-P, and it stands for Presence, Openness, and Power. Ooh. Yeah. And this is the, the process when I'm coaching with people individually, when we go internally, which is always where we start. Yeah. Um, and the things that I mentioned before all fall under POP and a lot of other things. Um, but then when it comes to what I haven't touched on as much in this call is, or not call, in the, in video, the show. <laughs> video episode conference. In the thing <laughs> is, is what I call pop out. And so our outer world is a reflection, is a mirror of what's going on inside. So this is why we always start internally. Yeah. And, and so pop actually gets reflected as well because when people first meet us, and interact with us, it goes the opposite way. Um, first, they notice our energy, our power. Mm-hmm. Then they see if we're open to them. And then when we're actually communicating with each other and interacting with each other, then it's about how present are they with you and how do you feel in their presence. Mm. Um, so it actually goes the other way. So um, on the, the pop out, I don't know if you have any questions about the, the actual interaction between potential partners when you're together. Um, but that in the way I work with it, that part is secondary to Mm -hmm. what's going on internally. I think I understand. So it's presence, openness, and power, right? That's the way to go in. That's the way to go for yourself. For yourself. Okay. I'm not doing this justice at all. This is far too simplified. Well, no, I think it sounds like it's a very complicated process. Well, it's okay. I just want to make sure that I'm giving uh, that I'm giving what your audience needs. So yeah, no, definitely. Well, I think it's always the fine line of trying to be broad and give something that's universally applicable to relationships, and then also answering kind of specific questions. So you know, hopefully people will take away something. I'm sure they will. But I I did have a question in terms of the beginning phases of relationships in terms of kind of attracting people, like attracting new partners. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you talk about on your website, you talk about helping people with their online dating profiles. Oh, yes. I was curious about that. (laughs) And I was curious to know what you, you know, if you, since I don't want to, uh, give away all of your services for free on my show, but I'm curious if there's <laughs> things that you can share that you kind of look for in terms of helping people with their profiles in terms of kind of expressing certain things or just how you approach working with someone on their profile. Yeah, That's absolutely. A big part of dating these days. Absolutely. Um, and I'd love to talk about that because for a lot of us, it's really awkward to <laughs> create a profile. I'm like, yeah. hey, let me show you how cool and unique and special I am without <laughs> yeah. sounding like I'm trying to show you how cool, unique, and special I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In a way that hopefully attracts not everyone, but the, the, the one person I want to be with or the, the few people I want to be with. Right. So, um, so, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. It's, it is, I used to work when I was, working with the fortune 500 clients that was in marketing and, and I'm sorry to say, or I'm happy to say, but it's actually marketing is super relevant when it comes to creating your online dating profile. And also when it comes to matches and when, when I work with someone on their profile, and I also want to preface this by saying I've spent the most of this, discussion talking about internal because of what I said uh, a bit earlier, which is we will always attract whatever our energetic frequency is giving out. So Mm -hmm. even with all the pretty little tips I'm about to share, if the internal game is not prepared, then you're going to be attracting not great people. So I just want to make sure that despite the words or in addition, rather, 
to the words on your profile and the pictures on your profile, the energy with which you create it and the energy with which you approach it also plays a role. Yeah. And it's harder to say and it's harder to quantify and it's harder to feel because it's not something we see right. um, usually. So, um, but it's, but it's very present. Yeah. So that being said, uh, <laughs> I like to get said, tell us what to do. To yeah. Make our profiles look great. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. So by the way, are we mostly talking with women here or is it women and men and everything in between? That's a great question. I mean, I think it's pretty mixed my audience. So, okay. Yeah. I think it's pretty mixed. Cool. I just want to make sure. I'm... Okay. So um, great. All right. So for quick and dirty tips for the <laughs> <Yeah>. online <laughs> profile. No pressure. <laughs> so a few would be around pictures because the vast majority of the world of humans are visual first. Right. So you want to communicate the majority of your uniqueness, your essence, your amazing parts of you yes. through your pictures. Pictures, it's, it's just like the, that uh, common phrase of picture tells is worth a thousand words, right? Right, yeah. It's this idea. So especially for, no, I'm not even going to say that. Just period. Yes, yeah. period that. So you want your words to be supplementary if and when possible. Um, so if you can, the, the more you can communicate about yourself through your picture, yeah. the better. Mostly because, of course, people like to look at pictures and with a lot of platforms, you see the picture first and then the words are underneath. So a lot of times people have already made their decision by the time they look at the first picture because right. that is the world we live in today. Yeah. And so for pictures and statistics show um, differences between what people respond to in men's pictures versus women's pictures. Oh. Um, and, and of course, I'm just talking about cis when I say that. And so, so there are, and so this is where it comes to, um, yeah, general topics yeah. <laughs> and, and being able to give, give quick and dirty. But for my women, um, we want to smile. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and gosh, I'm, I'm hearing myself and I'm, and then there's this part of me that's going, Oh, another freaking person telling us to smile, shut up. Oh. <laughs> and smiling is, I mean, smiling, people want to be around someone with a good positive energy. Yeah. Um, and if you're not someone who smiles, then don't smile. But if you are someone who likes to smile, then it's recommended that you make a picture of you smiling, uh, one of your first pictures. <laughs> yeah. That um, makes sense. Because the idea is you want to communicate the essence of you. So right. um, showing yourself and because what I mentioned before around energy being such a key factor. Yeah. Um, when we look like we are not necessarily high energy, but when we are in the energy of what feels best to us, which is right. usually happiness, which is usually bliss, um, usually you know, something where I call it feeling in the zone or just for me, this is, this is me when I dance, nothing can touch me. I'm just happy when I dance. Yeah. I don't care what I look like. I don't care how people think I'm dancing. I do not care, you know? Yeah. And so for me, that is what I, I tap into that energy yeah. when I want to feel more powerful and more attractive right. because when we're in that place, all is well. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, so a picture where, where you're showing that kind of energy, usually it comes through a smile, but if your smile is forced, it's not going to look good. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, a picture where, where there's that story behind it for you, where you can look at that picture and, and smile and feel some warm place in your heart because you remember what that picture meant to you or what that scenario, wherever you were, what it meant to you. Yeah. Um, I had a guy that I worked with actually because he came to me and he said, Lisa, do you know which demographic uh, gets the least matches on, on online dating? And I said, you know, of course, black women. Um, I identify that way. He said, yeah, and Asian men. Said, yeah, oh, yes, I was going to say, I think it's Asian men. Yeah, I think I've <laughs> yeah. heard. Yeah. And so um, this man, amazing, deep, beautiful, warm, huge-hearted man, 
um, of Chinese descent. He and I worked together, and when we did, he's also a clown, um, oh, a medical wow. clown. <laughs> I hope that's in his... He's an amazing man. I could go on hope... about how amazing he is. Okay. I hope that's in his online yeah. dating photos, if he's online dating, if that's a part of what he does. Well, just... so that was one of the things we talked about, because, of course, this is a big part of his life. Yeah. And so he said... Um, so he's like, oh, I figured I shouldn't put up a picture of me as a clown. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we agreed not to, but not for the reason that you think, not because no, what, why clowns are bad. It's yeah. because that is a mask. Oh, I see. When you're, when you're in clown, it's also a mask that's pretty poorly received in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people more are importantly, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but more importantly, it's not getting to the quintessence of who he is. Right. Um, and so when you're creating, when you're thinking about your story, the story that you want to share with people about who you are and what matters to you in picture form, you want, you think about what you want someone to say when they look at your pictures, you know, they, um, so do you want to say that this person likes to travel, this person um, is clearly warm-hearted because they're with this, they're holding this cute little animal at the shelter, you know? Right. <laughs> what parts of you um, do you really want to come through? Yeah. Because that's what's going to, to have you stand out to the people that you want. Right. And so many people, when we start working together, they say, oh, I just want to get, um, you know, lots of matches. But <laughs> once you get lots of matches or lots of people in your inbox, that becomes, it's like when your problems get bigger and better as you go on, that's yeah. another issue. Um, <laughs> and that's actually a problem that you can uh, avoid completely by just the more that you can show up as yourself, you don't need to have a ton of, of matches or a ton of messages in your inbox. Right. What you do want is to have the people that you actually would want to be with right. messaging you. Yeah. So the quantity doesn't matter. And that's not when, when I look at success metrics with my online dating clients, we're not saying, okay, how many people did you get? Obviously a bump up is good, is great, but more importantly, and this is the quality over quantity right. is how, how strong of a match were they for you? How good of a connection did it feel? Uh, did you feel when you were actually with them? Right. Um, and this of course also comes together with the clarity um, that one has on what is actually the right fit for them. Yeah. So those go hand in hand. Definitely. But when it comes to your pictures, you want to be able to show as much of you as possible. Yeah. So um, with Great. this man that I've been talking about, he loves to travel. He is an entertainer. And what we did actually, because we want to represent, he's a clown. That's a big part of his life. And so he has this great picture of him where he is taking up a lot of space in the photo. So, um, so you can see him really well. And he's with, if you know anything about the clowning world, which who does? <laughs> a ton of people. But if you happen to, he has a picture with a man who, much, much, much older man, but essentially was at the start of, I believe, Cirque du Soleil and a lot oh, of cool. huge, yeah, very well-known, internationally renowned um, acts and, and circus shows. Yeah. And so if you're someone, even if you're not someone who knows anything about circus, you might, if you were to go on a date with him, you might be like, Oh yeah, I saw that picture you had with that super old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Right. And then that opens up his ability to tell this story around right. this really important part of his life. That's so cool. And also, so this is oh, one example to circumvent something that might might uh put up walls for people yeah um, right like the clowning another thing that i want to say because i just mentioned someone else being in picture i very very rarely suggest that you ever have pictures with other people especially if you're a woman oh yeah because uh yeah as soon as another woman shows up in your picture it's like wait who's that <laughs> there's a comparison <laughs> game it doesn't matter if you don't think that woman looks like you it does not matter if um if that friend of yours is taken, it does not matter. It does not matter. Yeah. Well, and oftentimes <laughs> photos of multiple people, which is yes. just the worst, because then you have to really try and figure out who is the person whose profile it is, and it's a whole guessing game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, kids are questionable. I've found in personal experience, I think statistics might also show, 
um, that kids showing up in women's profiles tend to cause more questions than when they show up in men's profiles. Sometimes they're actually well-received in men's profiles. Mm, um, I feel like I double have a standards. feminist problem with that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, ditto, ditto. Yeah. Um, but that's just, but that, yeah. Yeah, that's great. The experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and so when it comes to the words that you use on your profile, don't talk about um, this is what I like. Most on most applications, there's already place to say what you like. Yeah. Um, so what you want to use that word space for. So again, you want the majority of, of your online dating story. And when I say story, I'm talking about, again, who you are, what you want yeah. to come away with. Right. But most of that story to come through for, through pictures. Yeah. Um, which, of course, as a linguist, I'm like, there's so much importance in words, but it's actually pictures yeah. where people are getting their first impression. Right. Um, and then with the words, you want to be able to say um, any piece of information that's super important to you that you didn't get to say in your picture, that the story isn't, or that is that the pictures, the story the pictures aren't telling. Right. And also, that's where you get to say, you know, speak to them and, and say, who exactly it is that you're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. And when it comes to this, one thing to avoid that I see a lot is people will say, um, honest people only, no liars, no... Right, the things they cheaters, don't want. No yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, and all of that does is have you come off as being scorned and looking, yeah, look, looking like... Um, it doesn't come off in a positive way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, Only it, it, message it, me if, yeah. Right, right, right. It's it. It makes it sound like oh, this person is is um, yeah is has just lived like a crappy couple of relationships, and it doesn't right. do anything to serve you essentially. Yeah. Um, and often the same people who say that are often the same people who end up in those patterns where that's all they get anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. That's Thankfully, you can just leave those parts out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Instead, you can focus on the positive attributes that you want to feel when you're with someone. Yeah. Or um, also, you can share what a first date with you might be like and look like. And this mm -hmm. is something that you can also do in your picture. So right. um, with the same man I mentioned, we had a, he likes to travel. So we had a picture where he was in Vienna. Mm. Um, and it's just a picture of him at the table at, at dinner. You know, it looks like sunset kind of background. Yeah. And he has a glass of wine and it's just him across the way. And oh, this I love is it. great because this is what, if you go on a date with him and you sit down, whether it's coffee or dinner or anything else, this is what you're going to see. This is what you're going to see. You can picture yourself there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you can put your potential partner you know, give them the point of view that they're going to have, right. then they have the opportunity to place themselves on the other, you know, on the other side of that camera and go, oh yeah, yeah I do want to see her or I do want to see him. I do want to see them yeah. uh, in this light. I love it. Well, with, with that, I think we have to wrap it up, but it's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank, thank you. So it's much. been a pleasure being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing some of your knowledge and expertise about some of the work that you do with your clients. And if anyone is interested in working with you or if um, any of my listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? So I am at, so the website is empowertruelove.com. My email is lisa at empowertruelove.com. And basically everything, I mean, that's the easiest way. I'm also on Instagram at Lisa Empowers Love and Empower True Love. Twitter right. is Empower True Love. What else? Facebook, facebook.com slash Empower True Love. So it's all, it's all about empowering true love. <laughs> Easy does it. And then I also mentioned really briefly that my partner and I have a musical duo called Love Angelists. Yeah. So L O V E. A N G L E L I S T S. We sing about this exact same message about being able to create the kind of love for yourself that you want to have, love in the world, love with a partner. Um, and yeah, and being empowered to live your best life. That's so wonderful.
Well, thank you so much again for spending your time and for speaking to my audience. It's been so nice chatting with you. And also it's been so nice to be able to have this conversation via video chat and be able to kind of look at you and hear you talk. I'm sad that my audience doesn't get the same experience, but hopefully the audio will translate. So, Oh, so we're going to do a web series that. next time, right? I know we should. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank oh, awesome. you so much, Lisa, and have a wonderful rest of your it's evening. Yeah, it's officially evening. Have a wonderful yeah, it's rest dark of your... here. I know. Right. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye. You too. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Yep. Sex questions? Love questions? Send me your submissions either as a text or voicemail to soulfriendradio at gmail.com. Please include your age and any information that you would like me to know about you. You can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts. The show is recorded live at K-Chung Radio. Love you, K-Chung. Special thanks to my station manager, James Nelson. Thanks to 1,000 Birds. Our theme music is by Boombit. Thanks for listening to Soul Friend Radio.